Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show. We had a thrilling World Cup finale with France prevailing over Croatia. We had lots of action, lots of drama, questions about the VAR system as a whole, what is and is not a handball. I mean, there was plenty of intrigue that will be talked about for years to come. The coming out party for Kylian Mbappe, uh, plenty to talk about, but my thoughts overall on the matchup uh, basically go with this. Uh, Croatia played a brilliant system. Uh, they had tons of possession in the first half, uh, almost 70%. Uh, and you know what? It was hard luck that they were down at the half because France had two very fortunate goals. Uh, the first goal, you know, you can make a case that the free kick shouldn't have happened. You know, I get why the referee had to make that call. Uh, you know, in real time, I thought it was a foul. You know, and uh, uh, if you slow down a replay, you know what? It was very suspect. You know, VAR can't challenge that. Maybe that's something that they should take a look at in the future where you have uh, possible uh, scoring opportunities in the final third. Maybe that's something that they should be taking a closer look at uh, going forward that the uh, someone can buzz down to the referee to take a look at it. But, uh, you know... In terms of that, it was an unfortunate own goal for Mandzukic. Uh, you know, sometimes those things tend to happen. It just happened in the biggest game in his career, most likely. And so he's going to be remembering that one. And then in terms of the second goal France scored, whether it's a handball or not, you know, the Telemundo broadcast I was listening to, you'd swear it was the worst call in the history of officiating, according to Telemundo just because of the fact that uh, it was uh, called a handball after the VAR review. Uh, You know, my thing was it should have been called from the outset because you can't have uh, a player jumping up in the air, making contact with the ball as his hand is moving. Is it a a guarantee that Perisic was trying to uh, make himself bigger to stop the ball? It's debatable. 
But guess what? That was the end result. He made himself bigger, and he ended up touching the ball. To me, that's why you have to call it. it, it there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm clear as day that you got to call a pen there. It's a harsh penalty because you can't judge intent, but the end result is the fact that he's in a position that he put himself in. Yes, you could say that it's unfortunate because of the circumstances of the kick itself and how the ball could have been touched elsewhere so that it didn't go to him. But at the end of the day, it did go to him, and he was in an unnatural position because he had already jumped in the air uh, anticipating something, and his hand was moving. Was it a twitch? Was it not an involuntary twitch that happened to cost him? We can't determine intent, but guess what? The end result is the fact that he had directly influenced the ball in the middle of a box, and while it may not have been a, an actual scoring opportunity, you'd never know who might have been able to make a play on that ball. You can't assume that it would have been a scoring opportunity just because of the positioning of the other players in the box. There's no way of knowing how the ball would have bounced if he hadn't touched it uh, and, and someone else had touched it instead and if it bounces elsewhere. So that's why you have to call the penalty, in my opinion. Is it a harsh one? Yes, but it's a necessary one because you can't have guys doing that. There's just an end-all, be-all there. So... Obviously, with Croatia down 2-1, they had to open things up in the second half, and that led to the counterattacks that uh, France was able to launch against them. And, you know, say what you will, uh, Croatia did what they could, but once that game uh, uh, turned into a scenario where uh, he was able, uh, where uh, Kylian Mbappe was able to finally get some ball in space, because the thing was... Paul Pogba did not play that well. Uh, you know, the hot takes that Pogba is one of the best players in the world, I, I just laughed at because it's such a ridiculous assertion. Uh, he struggles uh, breaking down guys. He struggles taking the ball box to box. You know, basic maneuvers that I would look for in a superstar midfielder, he can't do. He ends up dumping balls off. Now, if he took a man on and turned him, yeah, that'd be one thing. If he was able to be physically imposing, that's another way of doing it. He does neither. So to me, Pogba's involvement is entirely dependent on how the quality of the teammates around him. Now, the French national team has N'Golo Kante, and they have uh, Matuidi, who can clean up any mess. And the fact that France has the luxury of fielding the deepest team in the World Cup, that uh, just uh, proved to be uh, so beneficial in spades as they wore down Croatia in that match. Verona and Mutiti, uh, Umiti, uh, basically did all the work for Pogba, in addition to Conte. He didn't have to worry about the defensive responsibilities other than uh, putting a body in some folks. It, realistically, Pogba had to do diddly squat. And the fact that Matuti was also uh, taking pressure off of him. I mean, there were so, if this was like a, a car, France had it on autopilot for Pogba for pretty much the entirety of the tournament. Yes, he had a rebound that bounced right back towards him. 
And that's how he scored uh, the third goal, which ended up being the game winner due to the just bizarre play of uh, Hugo Lloris where his brain shut off for 10 seconds. But, uh, you know, it's a case where people going overboard with these ridiculous takes, I, I just had to talk about it because uh, uh, the Pogba stuff was just getting out of hand today. Uh, between Pogba becoming a top player in the world despite not actually doing anything remotely impressive during the World Cup itself that you could not attribute to the teammates that he had around him. You know, that was one where I, I don't know, understand what the media is looking at. And then the second part is the fact that everyone's writing this off as France is going to win the next couple of uh, uh, international tournaments. First of all, you don't know how the roster is going to pan out. Uh, and second, a lot of these guys were young. It, you know, once you get the fame and the fortune, and believe me, I can't wait for Pogba's uh, ego to grow even further so that his next scuffle with, uh, uh, in terms of uh, United, you got Jose Marino, who's the ultimate in ego maniacal managers, and Pogba, whose ego is going to skyrocket after this tournament with everyone kissing his rear end, you know, those two are going to butt heads, and it'll be comical watching it happen unfold throughout the Premier League season. But, you know, the fact that folks are saying that uh, it's a guarantee that France is uh, uh, overwhelmingly going to win next couple of uh, trophies for the international side just is ignoring the history of how players get breaked out. A lot can happen in two years. I'm not... Uh, uh, gonna outright say that France should be the favorite. You know, you still got uh, you still got a number of uh, clubs for the uh, uh, upcoming Euros in 2020 uh, that could uh, do some damage. So again, I'm not going overboard with uh, France as uh, some folks uh, already did on a certain four-letter network. So, with that being said, I was going to go into my preview for fantasy football uh, in uh, the Premier League. Uh, so uh, now I could have done fantasy football for the NFL, but you know what? Something else came up. And of course that something else is the ultimately f just inane ramblings of Blake Bortles. Now, for those of you who do not listen to podcasts, I've uh, have frequently targeted Blake Bortles just for being a complete imbecile more often than not when he actually opens his mouth. Now, on the playing field, I know he's an imbecile because he can't read coverages. That's one of the reasons why some of these teams play such base defensive packages on him because they know that's pretty much uh, what you can, uh, you can get away with and he still won't punish you other than scrambling up the field at times. New England's defense, because of the fact that they uh, were such in disarray in the playoffs, gave up a ton of points to Jacksonville because Jacksonville could run the football. Jacksonville plays smash-mouth football that a lot of teams don't want to deal with because of the size of that offensive line. That is where Jacksonville does their damage. But instead, Bortles uh, was on Sirius XM, uh, and over the weekend... Uh, you know, the host kind of led him with the question, but Bortles just stepped in it and went far and beyond 
what uh, any reasonable response uh, should have been. So when asked about his contract situation and what he got signed for, uh, they talked about how it was so team-friendly that it allowed to build pieces around him. First of all, you know, it's not building pieces around him. It's building pieces in spite of how inept the quarterback is. But the, this was the response Blake Bortles had. He didn't really care about the money, which is always a sign that you care about the money. Before he signed a three-year contract extension uh, that uh, guarantees him $26.5 million. Now, his base salary uh, this upcoming season is $10 million. Now, in retrospect, if you look at all the NFL starting QBs, only one NFL starting QB that has a lower salary number than Bortles that isn't a rookie is Ryan Tannehill, who was injured last year, and the Dolphins are trying to figure out what to do with him because they're not sure if they should turn the page completely or they should just give him one more chance to prove that he's a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. So once you throw the rookie contracts out the window... Literally, he's the lowest paid QB in the league. This is what he actually had to say about it. So, he says, I think the way Tom has done it is the way to try to model. Having guys and putting pieces around him was definitely something. When you take up a ton of money, you kind of limit your team and who they can help you out with and put around you. So, the Tom he's talking about, obviously, is Tom Brady. He's talking about how the Patriots surround Brady with uh, wide receivers. Here's the long and short of it. Not only does he compare himself to the way Tom Brady approaches contract situation, it's not even remotely accurate. Like I said, no one in the league makes less than Blake Bortles that isn't a rookie. Outside of Ryan Tannehill, who had a contract extension a number of years ago, and is in the last year of his deal after coming off an injury. Technically, if the Dolphins were serious about re-signing him, they would have restructured that contract, but because they're not sure really what to do with him, he's in that limbo. So realistically, you could even call uh, Bortles 32 out of 32 of uh, NFL QBs that aren't rookies. Uh, so the literally the bottom of the barrel. So, A, he compared himself to Tom Brady. B, he ripped on the other QBs who took larger deals than he did because they actually earned it compared to what he, his pitiful numbers in the NFL warranted. No one wanted him other than the Jaguars, who think they can win in spite of him anyway, so they don't want to risk the chance of a QB that the defense absolutely can't stand and can't put up demonstrably better numbers than Bortles. Bortles is a, uh, is a beneficiary of lackluster circumstances uh, breaking in his favor more than anything else in the world. Uh, you know, for him to actually call out some of these other QBs saying that they uh, are taking up too much salary space to put talent, uh, for teams to put talent around them, is neglecting the fact that the passing rules in the NFL in recent years have made it such to the point that NFL QBs are the most important players because they elevate the level of play of the guys around them, regardless of their overall skill level. That's the true talent of Tom Brady. 
And by the way, Tom Brady is making uh, just over uh, $22 million this year. Is it the highs in the league? No. Is it uh, putting him just on the back end of the top 10? Yes. But it is not the $10 million figure that Blake Bortles is being paid this year, which is the bare minimum for veteran NFL quarterbacks that are going to be starting next year. You know, it's just insulting that folks are buying this garbage from Bortles uh, saying that uh, he's taking a pay cut. The only guy who's making the same amount as Bortles is Josh McCown, who's going to be losing his NFL starting job on the Jets sooner than later because Sam Darnold got drafted by the Jets, and he's going to start. If it doesn't happen week one, it's going to happen within the first month of the year that Sam Darnold's seeing the, the field for the Jets because the Jets can't help themselves. But this notion that Blake Bortles took less money so that teams could, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars could build a team around him, I literally did a spit take of how asinine that comment was because it's not true. It is not even remotely true, the fact that Blake Bortles actually spewed the gar- that garbage out. You know, I-, I can't wait to fade the Jaguars this year because it's one of the most asinine things I've ever heard of. But, uh, you know, I'll move on from Bortles for now just because I, I know I'm probably losing some of the audience. But, the, you know, it's just such a dumb comment. And the fact that he brought up uh, brought up some of the other QBs who were making more of him, saying that they're cash-strapping their time, teams, you know, I, you know, some of these quarterbacks, uh, I, I can see that they ju- they're going to give them the side-eye because it's just such a jackass comment. Any other profession in the world where you're uh, outperforming someone else, of course you're going to want more money. That's not uh, that's the team's job to figure out how everything else goes. But yeah, yeah, if you're outperforming your competition, yeah, you should be. Your pay should be reflecting that. I mean, I've never heard such nonsense that you took less money so uh, to spend it as uh, the team was building around you. No, the team gave you that little bit of money because. They viewed you as more of a locker room benefit to keeping you around than to try to ingratiate a new quarterback and hoping that the defense uh, liked him or not because they didn't feel comfortable paying uh, a number of the NFL free agents uh, the money that they were looking for to come down and play with the team. They, they, took, they gave you less money so they could re-sign some of those defenders. So they basically treated you like the rookie. Uh, but... Yeah, it's just, you know, again, I, I, I can't with some of these stories. Because you start hearing them in context and you realize that these media members are just soaking up pure garbage. And I, I just, you know, I, I my vitriol is, is not satisfied yet. But, you know, I'm going to move on and talk, and talk about uh, some NFL free agency because, you know, it, it is time... Uh, where we uh, kind of reflect on uh, what's going on in the state of the league and uh, none more so than the situation that is brewing in Pittsburgh where we had an interesting day of sound bites between uh, the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. For those of you who were not following what was going on, the standstill was this that uh, Le'Veon Bell was entering the final year of his contract and was seeking to reset the marketplace on NFL running backs similar to the way Adrian Peterson did 
a number of years ago with the Vikings. But uh, it was a case where you got uh, Le'Veon Bell seeking an average salary of $17 million a year. And, you know, basically uh, he was looking for a five-year deal. So you're... You're talking. Uh, you're talking a neighborhood uh, of uh, eighty-five million dollars, roughly. Uh, so, uh, all intents and purposes, you know, he's asking for uh, eighty-five million. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't get that fifth year, he's still looking for the seventeen million, and he wasn't backing down off of that. Uh, the Steelers uh, uh, put out some offers. Uh, Obviously, uh, the Steelers and Bell couldn't reach an agreement, but the Steelers then floated a story to ESPN saying that they offered him seventy million, uh, get a uh, seventy million dollar contract, and of course that's a big number, and NFL fans are going to go gaga over it. But the issue is that uh, on the deal that the Steelers offered Le'Veon Bell for seventy million, it is a case of over five years, <coughs> over a five year deal. And only $33 million would have been guaranteed money. Uh, and that would have been uh, only for the first two years of the contract. So clearly the Steelers are uh, framing this from the standpoint of, you know, Big Ben's only going to be around a few more years anyway, two, three years. Uh, you know, they don't want to commit long-term to Le'Veon Bell when they already have a ton of money tied up with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown had already spoken out on this situation uh, with uh, Le'Veon, which was a faux pas because uh, Le- Le'Veon didn't say anything about Brown when he was holding out with the Steelers. And it's just one of those unwritten rules. You don't talk about another uh, teammate's uh, contract uh, situation with the, t- the club because you could be in the exact same spot sooner than later. So uh, right then and there, y- you know there's going to be a disconnect. Now, the fact that Le'Veon Bell... It was uh, only going to get $33 million in guaranteed money. I know some folks are still saying that's a pretty great deal. But, you know, from Bell's standpoint, uh, he's betting on himself that uh, come free agency, if he has another monster year with the Steelers, there's going to be a team that offers him somewhere in that range. So even if it gets into the $16 million range uh, over five years and uh, gets us some more guaranteed money, He's banking on he's gonna get a better offer and he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get that uh, uh, additional uh, additional fund. So I'm curious uh, as to uh, the motivations of the Steelers because you know from my standpoint, you know Bell is what kind of makes that Steeler offense go, and I know folks are saying that you know. You, you can use that money to buy more defensive players. But the way the league is going, the fact that offense is so more heavily prioritized based off of the somewhat inane rules that NFL has come up with in terms of uh, what you can and can't do on the defensive side of, of football, uh, side of the field, you know, you might as well concentrate the bulk of your cash on the uh, best skill position players possible because defenders can't hit the way they used to be able to hit. So it makes trying to neutralize ultra-extreme talent 
almost impossible. So what the Steelers are able to do, you know, no other team can replicate that. You can't practice against that, really. So it's just trying to go up against uh, that squad. And the only team that was really able to do it was essentially a Jacksonville squad that was loaded with a bunch of first-round picks uh, over years of sucking and the fact that they got Blake Bortles as quarterback to guarantee that they'll still suck. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into Blake in a little bit later, but, uh, you know, as it stands, you know, you got a Bell situation where he's uh, banking on himself that he's going to put up big numbers and be able to hit free agency and strike. So for those who are worried about a holdout situation, that's not uh, the exact case that you would be looking at uh, going forward. Uh, it's more of a case where uh, you've got uh, Le'Veon uh, looking uh, to be the top uh, fantasy option, and you know, you're know you going to kind of use those fantasy numbers, yards after catch. Uh, you're going to look at number of tackles broken, and he's going to make that case with his agent about why he should be get, getting paid top dollar over all these other running backs in the league. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting season, to say the least, because Le'Veon is definitely going to want his touches, and he's going to be complaining about it if he's not getting it. So uh, I'm, I'm very much uh, uh, interested in seeing how this dynamic is going to play out with Le'Veon being in his final year and needing to put up big numbers, whereas the Steelers have more of a vested interest in uh, maintaining him long-term but also trying to somewhat diminish his market value. So uh, that should be an interesting dynamic that plays out uh, season uh, that's coming on in the NFL. The, don't, don't get me wrong. Le'Veon is still, without question, a top three pick in fantasy football. Uh, you know, I wouldn't get cute with it. I know folks are uh, souring on Le'Veon, but, you know, to me... It's still a top three pick. You don't mess around with talent like that. You just got to go with it. So, uh, interesting to see. But, uh, you know, I think it's just a case where, you know, you roll the dice with Le'Veon and you take what you get out of him this year because he has more than enough incentives to put up a huge season. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, But, uh I, I would uh, draft uh, Le'Veon uh, without hesitation in the first round. Uh, there, there's no question in my mind uh, you're going to get top three value. Whether or not he falls further in the first round is a completely different story altogether. But uh, once you get a chance to draft him, you, t- you take a shot on him. There's no question in my mind. All right. So while this was going on, uh, Home Run Derby just concluded. And as expected... It went to Bryce Harper of the Nationals. Baseball was contriving this from the start. You know, I have no doubt that a number of these balls are grooved for Harper. And I wouldn't even be shocked if they corked the bat a bit as well. uh, As Harper barely squeaks through uh, some of these rounds where guys uh, just were swinging at bad pitches. And miraculously, Harper comes up with 19 home runs in the final round uh, to beat out Kyle Schwarber. Like I said, you know, it's not that uh, uh, I doubt Harper can hit bombs. It's just his uh, his swing path usually 
precludes him from hitting it that much. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. Uh, uh, we'll we'll see. But uh, it, it was just one of those where I had severe doubts that this was actually going to happen. But anyway, uh, let's bring Cam on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll get it started uh, with uh, some baseball talk. Hey, Throwdown Nation! Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Okay, we got Cam on the line here. Cam, say hello to the people. What's up, boys? What's up? All right, Cam, we just finished watching... The epic and thrilling conclusion to Home Run Derby 2018. And surprise, surprise, guess who won it? I can't guess. It was a hard one. It would be none other than Washington's own uh, Bryce Harper winning it for the hometown crowd. Totally did not see that one coming, even though the Vegas Lions uh, had him as the heavy favorite. Shocker. What? Are you trying to imply that he had a cork bat like my initial text messages <laughs> pointed out? I would never say that. Never. Come on. Hometown crowd would never let that happen. Yeah, the the fine, upstanding citizens of Washington, D.C. would not allow for such such deception to take place in their home run derby, especially when they had uh, fireworks and streamers all prepared for the winner of Home Run Derby, who just happened to be their hometown hero. I mean, seriously. Shocker. Shocker. Seriously, could MLB, like, just, like, disguise that one a little bit so it's not as blatantly obvious that was set up for Harper to win? And how is Harper not even the number one seed when he's the hosting guy? I I think they realized from... Uh, Stanton last year that you can't have the hosting guy be the number one seed because then they uh, get inside their own heads. But technically, it was A, uh, uh, Stanton got a little bit too jacked up, and B, uh, I mean, Gary Sanchez is an absolute beast. You don't draft a, a, like a guy like Sanchez to be in home run derby and then place him against the guy you want to win home run derby. Yeah, dude, you didn't want uh, Jesus in there, dude. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, it was... Dude, I will say, Jesus is a gamer, man. He, he is, but I knew going in, I was like, there's no way. Well, it, it was obvious. It's like guys like uh, Aguilar and Bregman, those are in-game home run swing guys. They're not, like, they don't have uh, pure swings where they're legitimately just going to absolutely break on uh, on the balls that you see tossing home run derby. 
even Harper's not a natural swinger that way. He was contorting his body to swing that way, but that's not his natural swing. It's like, but technically, Bryce Harper's batting average is so low right now that even if he did sw- change up his swing path, it would probably help his batting average at the rate he's going at this year. I was just about to say, man, uh, so I was just watching uh, ESPN came on after that, and they were just ripping, you know, the manager up for national, they were ripping up Harper. I was like, you really can't. They were like, man, if you really wanted to win, you wouldn't have played on, you wouldn't have let him play an all-star game, you wouldn't have let him play home run derby, and judge to the last year, like, everyone else are like, you know, they're going to save him up, and I'm just like, dude, he can't get worse, like, are you kidding me? Just hype him up some more, that's all he needs. <laughs> yeah, they, well, that, that, that was that was the joke of it, is like, people were like, oh, I this could ruin Harper's swing for the second half, and I'm like, the guy's not even batting 220. Wait, actually, hold on. Let, 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 let's look up Bryce Harper's... Uh, I don't know, but either, that, either way, I, I mean, I think he's batting like 220 or a little bit lower, but I mean, Oh yeah, no the the, the, the K the K the K rate for Harper is just astronomical at the rate he's going at. I mean, it's not Chris Davis territory, but it's getting it's it's it, it, it ain't that far off. Yeah, exactly, and I feel like Harper is a kind of a street oh. guy. I mean, not super streaky, but I mean, he's also an ego guy. So you get that ego up right there, just freaking dropping bombs. I just feel like that's, like, definitely going to help him. Yep. I mean, like I said, it just can't get worse. Like, I mean, it's Harper. Yeah. It can't I, get worse I, than it is. Yeah, I, I, I am correct. He is still batting under 220. He's got a 214 average with go. 102 strikeouts. All I know is they didn't want Joey Gallo out there. Just, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's about as bad as it can be right now for Harper. Because... You know, in his career, he's he's been a plus hitter ab- uh, uh, with hits above strikeouts. I mean, we already had, uh, and Harper's part of the reason, I guess, is uh, we already had two months this year where we actually had more punch outs than K. So ba- uh, back in April and then uh, in June, we, uh, we had more strikeouts uh, than actual hits in games, which, again, is pretty absurd when you think about it because yes there are a number of a plus arms but the lack of actual proper plate discipline with the uh with uh, uh just standard three outcome hitters is just getting to the point of ridiculousness so it's just because there's no actual efficiency where now i'm almost say, uh, thinking that you know Moneyball would actually suggest you have to go back and Wait a second. Tim Kirchin's playing in a celebrity softball game? <laughs> what? I have no idea. I'm not even watching. <laughs> Tim, Tim Kirchin is playing in a celebrity softball game. That, that, <laughs> oh, okay. That threw me off there. But, uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Tim Kirchin is literally the size of five uh, one and 145 pounds. At best. Soaking wet. <laughs> I mean, about as, about as small as it can be. So, seeing him on the baseball field is pretty comical, considering he's the smallest celebrity, and I and I do mean that term loosely, as possible, 
uh, playing in this uh, celebrity softball game. But uh, I'm, I'm not watching. <laughs> hey, they got Jamie Fox, Cam. All right. Hey, he's the man. He is. The, he is the man. But literally, they're like they're probably beg Jamie Fox like. You, you gotta do this game again for us this year. We really yeah, don't have any. I'm glad I'm not watching. I don't want to watch that swing. Oh, John Wall's here. Whoa, John Wall in the building. John Wall, have you seen that video of him swinging? <laughs> yeah. Good lord, that. Oh, John Wall got a hit. <laughs> there was a meme out there with John Wall, and he was in a cage, and it was just like throwing knee balls, and they were just like, man. Fouling off these tough pitches got to be tough, and they were like, "This must be the best Orioles first baseman they have." <laughs> oh man! Uh, Speaking of the O's, uh, did did you catch the uh, press conference with uh, Buck Showalter explaining why uh, Manny Machado got lifted in the middle of a game on Sunday? No, I didn't see it. I, I should have seen it, but I mean, you know, all those trade rumors and all that. I was like, okay, let's see. Yeah, right. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, well, basically the press conference went along the lines of uh, Buck just saying, hey, listen, we're all adults here. Well, at least most of us are, are adults in here. So I don't know who he was taking a shot at, but he was already getting ornery. And then <laughs> and then he goes along the lines of, yeah, well, you know, it was a wet field. So we decided to take precaution with uh, Manny and not have him uh, go out there. Now... Would uh, if this was a game in April, would he probably played out there on a wet field? Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Now I could say it's a wet field, but Manny's situation doesn't apply to most of the players out on the field, so I can't say that a wet field would be the predetermining factor for every single player. That'd be an insult to the eight guys on this team, and I- I'm laughing at it because he's like, he's basically saying he's like. Yeah, we're going to trade this guy almost immediately. He's already played his last game for the, uh, for our organization. So we don't want to screw this up and just have him play the All-Star game injured. Uh, I, I, but I, I love the press conference. So I highly recommend to everyone to play that audio clip of uh, Buck Showalter because it's priceless how, how he just describes uh, the fact that... Uh, uh, the what field is the predetermined uh, calls for uh, Machado getting lifted, but at the same time, you know, yeah, I would have played him any other time of the year. <laughs> exactly. They were like, yeah, there's a trade going to be going on, so we can't let him get hurt. I don't know if you saw the press conference before the home run derby, but they, Machado walked up on the stage with his little nephew, and they started interviewing him, and uh, Pedro, or I think Pedro asked him, he said, what team would you like to see your uncle go on if he went on any, and he immediately said the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and literally Machado just starts laughing. And then I don't know if you saw that meme earlier in the week. Oh, yeah, 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 that he liked. him in a Yankees jersey, and he liked it, like on Instagram or something. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, I don't know where I think he wants to go, but kind of hard to decide. The, the heart wants what the heart wants, Cam. Hey, man, you can go back to third base. I don't think he cares. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that, that that was the other nonsense uh, is, like, the 
the controversy of like what position is uh, Manny gonna play. It's like Manny's gonna go where he's gonna go, and that's pretty much gonna be the long and short of it. Uh, it's like he can't dictate where he's gonna play in his walk year. Yeah, once he signs the big free agency contract, yeah, and don't get me wrong. All these teams try to trade for him, uh, saying that, uh, uh, you know, he's going to sign long-term. I still think Machado wants to test out free agency and just see how much uh, he can break in the bank. Because with Harper struggling this much, technically, Machado's the number one free agent if he, if he waits this thing out. So I don't see why he would rush things and just sign the extension. You know, the, these teams can negotiate with him to say, hey, would you be open to uh, signing an extension? But uh, for him to sign it outright would almost be foolish in a marketplace where uh, your next nearest rival is just struggling mightily to put up anywhere close to his historic numbers as a player while you're just doing fine and dandy. He's going to sign anything. He'll just, I think he'll let it ride and see where he goes. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone keeps saying the Yankees would please God no. <laughs> hey, just you know, it. you, hey, you know you want to say all rise. I know you want to say it, Cam. Hey, that's my only guy on the, the Yankees that I'll ever say that to. Oh, boy. But, uh, all right, let, let's get it into it a little bit further. So, uh, what were some of the takeaways you saw from the first half of uh, the MLB season thus far? All I know is the Rangers are winning the West. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the 15 games under 500 Texas Rangers. It's only 22 games back. There's a whole half of the season left, baby. Yep, they, 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 they're right on Houston's tail. They are right on them. That might be pushing it. One ninety five, I'll give him two hundred. That might be pushing it for Gallo. That, that five, those five points are really hard to come by. When you strike out as much as he does, yes, they, are, they actually are. Oh boy, but uh, yeah. So in terms of uh, some of the takeaways I had, at least, you know, I wasn't surprised by Boston. You know. I kept saying to folks that Boston was going to win probably 100 to 102 games. And right now, uh, the Red Sox being 68 and 30, they're on pace for 106. But I wasn't surprised by this because, again, once they made that J.D. Martinez signing, they had all the protection in the lineup. And Mookie Betts is still one of the most underrated players in the league. And I still don't understand how he could be underrated. Uh, underrated by so many folks because I still have arguments with folks that still say they would take uh, Harper over Betts in a heartbeat. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I think essentially you get a less injury pr uh, prone player and for the life of me, I think uh, uh, Betts is a better uh, defensive player than Harper. Well, even, well Betts is a 5 tool guy, man. I would take him over Harper any day, which I love me some Harper, but 
team at his best, I think I'm still taking Mookie. Yeah, I, I just look at it as a case where, uh, you know, to me it's uh, a, a situation where Betts is, you know, he's not, and let, let's not get crazy here, because uh, you got Mike Trout having an all-time historic season on an Angels team that is going to be cellar dwellers sooner than later because everyone on their pitching staff seems to be getting injured and they have no depth whatsoever. But, uh, you know, with Trout, like, playing out of his mind and his team still stinking, uh, you know, you're going to have the AL MVP out of the playoffs, but the next best thing is uh, you got Betts in Boston. I mean, I, I look at it as a situation where Boston most likely is going to hang on for the division because, I mean, you got a, you got a four-and-a-half game lead over the Yankees, and I still look at it a case where the amount of work the Yankees have to do to actually win this division, you know, I, I, I see as a case where the Yankees are going to have to win over 103 games to have a chance of winning the division this year because uh, the, the Red Sox are, you know, playing great baseball. And guess what? They still have to play the, uh, the Orioles in Toronto. The, the advantage the Yankees have is the fact that they just get more games against Baltimore and Toronto. But, you know, the Red Sox are demonstrably better than a number of these AL clubs uh, that are in the mix. Uh, because, uh, I mean, no one except the, uh, the Indians are above 500 in the Central. I mean, that's a complete wasteland of, of a division. So, you know, everyone's been feasting on them. So uh, you can... Uh, Still chalk the, uh, some of those games up as wins. And then, you know, out west, like I said, the Angels are most likely going to be sellers. Uh, I mean, pretty much anyone on the Rangers uh, outside of Mazzara is uh, is open for business. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked that the Rangers make a, uh, making a couple of deals. And, you know, Oakland is always open to making a move. Because you never know with Billy Bean. They're too cheap to actually invest in a team to have a legitimate shot at, you know, making a run. And especially in this year when you just have such an overwhelming Yankee squad, you know, you're going to have either the uh, the Red Sox or the Yankees uh, in the wild card with over 100 wins. There's no chance Oakland is going to trade away assets to load up on a team this year. They're going to be sellers. I, I firmly believe the A's are going to be sellers because they look at the landscape and they know they are not going to be able to compete against some of these teams. So you might as well get more prospects. Yeah, I mean, to me, the AL is pretty self-explanatory. I think Boston's going to win it. Cleveland's going to win it. Astros going to win it. Then I think our two wild cards are Yankees. And then I also I think the, obviously the Mariners are going to take that and it's going to be a duel. Yeah, I, I mean, basically what this comes down to is uh, do the Mariners have a slight tail off in the second half? Just because you're, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, you know, I don't get how the Mariners are still putting up as as much uh, in the way of wins. You know, because Oakland's going to tail off. 
Uh, so I'm not worried about an opposition from the, uh, the A's like really pushing Seattle. I think Seattle uh, takes control of that second wild card, and it's not even close. The only interesting thing with Seattle is the fact that, dude, they make a move uh, to deal Robbie Cano knowing that he can't play in the postseason. So he's basically an expensive paperweight, and they're playing better without him. Do you try to move him to somewhere where – you know, you're going to be paying most of the contract, but maybe you get something in return in terms of a reliever to help you in the playoff run. That That's something I'd be very much interested in uh, if I'm a Mariners fan, because to me, that seems to be the only logical play is that, you know, Cano really never lived up to the billing that Seattle was looking for, which, you know, I'm not quite sure uh, was even a reasonable ask of him just because he never led anywhere in ter- when he was with the Yankees. But, you know, a- as it stands, like, Seattle's got a nucleus where it's not as young as you think it is, so they actually have to kind of make a move now. But with Cano being ineligible, it makes it kind of pointless bringing him back into the lineup, knowing he can't play in the postseason. Yep, exactly. And so, I mean, either way, I think, I mean, I think the Yankees will take that last spot. But, I mean, regardless of who, I mean, even if the A's come up and beat the, the Mariners, I, they don't have enough depth. And the only other wildcard team that I could see, which is a very, very slim, is the Twins, which I don't think they have enough balls to actually do anything. So, Yeah, the, twi- the Twins are stuck in no man's land because they don't have the talent to do it on their own. And... You know, I know they were looking for Brian Buxton to make that next step, and it just didn't happen. I mean, it, long story short, it may never happen, but that's what they were counting on, like, uh, to have some of those younger guys like Buxton and Kepler kind of carry them through, and it just didn't work out that way. It's still, yeah, I mean, it's still Dozier. Santana coming back, I, I mean, I just, dude, I don't think there's any way. Yeah, I it's... Mean, that's like a long shot. Yeah, I mean, Rosario's going to stick around, but... A guy like Dozier, he's going to fetch you a pretty penny on a free, uh, free agency market anyway. You might as well deal him now and get the prospects uh, rather than the compensatory picks. So to me, it makes more sense to deal uh, Dozier to a contending team uh, that's looking for a uh, middle-of-the-order kind of bat because, uh, you know, hitting in the AL the way that he did. Although, it will never cease to amaze me how Paul Molitor has Dozier batting leadoff. He, he's he's probably their best uh, power hitter, and he bats leadoff. It never ceases to amaze me on, on that front. But, uh, yeah, it, to me, at the at the end of the day, uh, Minnesota is just – they don't have a future there. Uh, you know, they're just living out the remainder of the terrible Joe Maurer contract until that finally – uh, gives them some salary relief for so that they can actually spend money on this team again. Yep, I agree. I mean, might as well send off Dozier and let him go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in terms of the AL, as you said, I think it's, it's still pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. The interesting part comes in with the NL, where you've got – uh, the Phillies with a half-game lead over to uh, Atlanta, and then the Nationals are four, uh, four games, uh, four and a half games back. Uh, excuse me, uh, of Philly. Now, the Nationals 
absolutely should blow this team up. There's no question in my mind this team should get blown up. The reason being, A, you got the Harper situation where he's looking for his uh, contract deal. They think they can retain him because he's playing so poorly. But my thing is, are you really going to give Bryce Harper well over $350 million when you've already committed uh, $25 million each to Scherzer and, uh, and oh, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying Stra- uh, I'm, I'm saying Strasburg, but I'm trying to say Strasburg. But it's uh, between Scherzer and Strasburg, you know, you got over $50 million a year for two players, and then you're going to add to that by making uh, Bryce essentially a $30 million a year guy. I just can't see the Nationals committing that much money to three players. Can you? I don't, but I feel like one of the main reasons they would even think about it is sell tickets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Nationals could be dumb enough to do it. I mean, they do fire their manager every single year, so it, it, it seems. So they, they, they could be dumb enough to actually try something like that, but... You know, it just seems they would commit so much of their salary uh, to those three players. It just wouldn't work uh, from a feasibility standpoint of uh, uh, putting together a competitive uh, team year after year. Uh, you'd waste the end of, end of their primes uh, uh, between Strasburg and uh, Scherzer. And I think Scherzer's already nearing the end of the prime run. I just think he's pitched so many innings at this point. It's the reason why you have to blow it up because... He's thrown so many innings. The wheels are, are going to fall off the wagon sooner than later, with Scherzer, in my opinion. But, you know, I know a lot of people don't share that sentiment, but uh, he's taken a lot of pitches uh, the last four years uh, without complaining about his workload either. I just think it's a, a, a lot closer to C.C. Sabathia type of situation where, you know, the wheels come off completely and then, you know, he's no longer a power pitcher. He's got to figure out how to become a finesse pitcher. What, you don't like uh, Scherzer's pitching nine innings and pitching like 125 pitches? It's so, something about that seems like it's going to lead to <laughs> long-term effects. Something to an elbow problem. I don't know why. You know, it, 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 I, 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 I really thought that him throwing 140 pitches would, would have been a great idea to strengthen the, the arm. So who do you think is going to win the East? You know, I look at it as a case where basically if I'm Atlanta, I just need to make one or two trades to bring in a, uh, a couple of pitchers, and I take this division from Philly. I, I was re- just about to say my, my, my pick is Atlanta on this division. I mean, it really just uh, depends on if Atlanta just wants to make a, a trade for one or two starters. I mean, even a guy like Jay Happ could do wonders for Atlanta's rotation uh, just from uh, just balancing out uh, uh, the pitchers because Newcomb's struggling uh, as he's go- as he's starting to hit the wall. Uh, I think a guy like Happ, you slide him in, he uh, probably can win you a division just because he can get you enough quality starts. And with that lineup, uh, it's uh, it's definitely a tricky uh, tricky one to navigate around. And Hap's pitched in the National League before, so to me, uh, he makes a ton of sense uh, for Atlanta. Yeah, they got, I mean, a ton of young talent, so, I mean, to your 
point. I think if they if they get Jay Happ, dude, oof, it's gonna be dirty over there. Yeah. I just don't think I, even though Kapler <laughs> saves himself, I just don't think he can hold on. And Washington, I just they're a coin flip for me, man. I, yeah, depending I, on how streaky they get, that's all I have to say. I mean, at the best, I think they might be a wild card if anything, which is gonna be hard for them to do. Yeah, because for a wild card. They're going to have to jump over a couple of teams already. Now, well, that's what I mean. Uh, you know, the, the, that's the biggest issue is the fact that, you know, the NL Central, uh, you've got the Cubs and Brewers uh, dueling it out. Uh, the Cardinals have already admitted defeat and fire Mike Matheny. Uh, you know. The Cardinals don't even know what they're, they are they don't even know what they look like. They, they just, like, get out there and throw, throw balls around. Well, my favorite part about the Cardinals is less than a week after you trash one of your own players, you then proceed to go fire the manager that you were praising for having constant contact with the team. I just don't understand what uh, John Mozellick uh, is uh, trying to rationalize, but from a PR standpoint, he's failing miserably because you can't back Matheny for how he was handling uh, uh, the Dexter, uh, Dexter Fowler situation. And then just go fire him right uh, uh, after uh, a dro- dropping a few games uh, because you know the cards are two games above five hundred. You know that really isn't time to fire a manager. So it it just it was just bizarre timing overall because I'm not sure what the Cardinals were expecting. Uh, clearly, they had aspirations where they were going to be a ninety one team, and right now they're on pace for eighty three, but. If you look at that rotation with the injuries they had and the fact that the lineup itself, you know, if Tommy Pham's not hitting well, they're going to struggle. I mean, Carpenter's not going to move the needle. The only guy that can really move the needle on that squad is Pham, but he's a very streaky player, and Yachty's too old, so he can't carry the offense. So, you know... It's just a bad mix right now because, you know, they they were looking for uh, Dexter Fowler to be a table setter, but he got on along so poorly with uh, the Cardinals' management that, you know, after that little tirade where Mozellick uh, ripped uh, Fowler in not one but two separate radio interviews the same day and then proceeded to back, back off the claim as in certain aspects of his game were lacking, uh, you know, it just... You know, it's a bad situation, and it's one where you're probably looking to get out as soon as possible uh, if you're Fowler, just because, you know, hitting 176 is not going to do you any wonders from a free agency perspective if the the Cardinals try to buy him out. Yeah, exactly. And then also, I mean, Fowler and Ozuna were going to be your two other guys that were going to do anything, and they're very streaky, and they are doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, Ozuna had one good streak for about 10, 20 games. But that is – see, here's the thing I, I said about Ozuna, Ozuna before, because I've owned him in fantasy uh, throughout different years, and the one thing that always held constant is that Ozuna was always a uh, roto player – not a, a, a head-to-head player because Ozuna, you can't count on him uh, to put up counting numbers week after week. He'll yeah, just go off. Factor. 
Yeah, he'll just go off in Jay Bruce-like fashion on a ridiculous streak where he's batting over 320 and uh, slugging over uh, slugging over 900, and then he'll just crash, and you're wondering what happened to the same guy. Uh, you know, it's a case where the Cardinals just did not really have a firm handle on some of their free agent targets, and you know, Matheny. While I don't really have glowing reviews for the way he manages his club, you know, I think he just paid the price for just a bad work by the general manager. I, and, you know, general managers going on defensive with trashing his own players, that never ends well. You don't say so. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they promoted uh, an assistant coach by the name of Schilt, you know, the, the Schilt-Hopkins memes... We're just going all over the internet uh, when the news broke on uh, uh, on Saturday that uh, Matheny was going to be out out the door. Right? You know, it, it's just a lot of things going bad for the bestest fans in Major League Baseball, according to Cardinals fans. So, who's going to take this one down? The Cubs or the Brewers? I look at this as a case where, you know. The Cubs will do what's necessary to win the division. The Brewers, I'm still out on the fence on. The Brewers always seem to be teetering on the edge of, oh, maybe we'll make a move, but only if it's at the right price. The The last time the Brewers actually made a serious move to make the playoffs, they got CeCe Sabathia and they made the playoffs. You know, and, you know, and nothing came out of that playoff run, but, you know, it's one of the few times they actually made a move and it was the right move at the time. Now, do I think they'll make a move this year? I think they kind of stand pat, and I think they want to see if their young guys can carry them. I just don't think they can do anything better than a wild card spot. So basically, they've taken over the spot that was usually reserved for the Pirates as being the wild card team that comes out of the NL Central. But I, I just don't see anything uh, else moving on beyond that team. Good hitting lineup, uh, decent pitching. Uh, you know, they just don't bring anything to the table where I see anything elite being done by that team. It's like the de- defense is average. Uh, so the, they got another cap- number of categories where I think the Cubs can beat them out in. And, you know, push comes to shove, the Cubs are going to make a move to improve that pitching staff because, uh, you know, I don't see the Cubs waiting around to see if you Darvish is ever going to live up to uh, the contract they gave him. Yeah, I mean, you know, they can have one. <laughs> but um, this isn't a very fun podcast because I'm having to agree with everything that you're saying. <laughs> so, um, but the Brewers, I mean, like you said, solid lineup, defense is average. They strike out a bunch. They hit, they hit a bunch, too. Depends on what game you get. Their bullpen's pretty good, I uh, will say. Their bullpen's nice, but I mean, at the end of the day, you got to score runs and you got to make moves, and I just don't think they're going to try to make enough moves to, you know, I think they're a wild card team at, yeah. at best. Yeah. Now comes the most interesting division in the league. <laughs> because the Padres. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, the Padres at 19 games under 500. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. The NL West, this division should have been wrapped up already. The Dodgers were so bad and so injured. 
the fact that the Dodgers are ahead in first place in this division is just mind-blowing. The amount of games Arizona and Colorado gave away in uh, the past month and a half to allow the Dodgers to get back in this division. It's unbelievable. But, you know, the way I look at this, it's the Dodgers' race to lose because the Dodgers are dumb enough to uh, throw away the remainder of their farm system just to rent out Manny Machado for a few months and not have him resign. The Dodgers are willing to do that. I'm not sure if uh, the Giants uh, are willing to do that because the Giants have been trying to turn over that roster and you know make a little run, but like actually develop their farm system again and replenish it. Uh, so I'm not sure if the Giants are willing to commit to making that Machado deal without getting assurances that he's going to sign long term, which I don't think he will. So I, I think the Giants would technically be out of it. Uh, you know, I know people were linking Machado to the Brewers. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I just don't see the Brewers making that kind of serious decision. So then you have the Dodgers, Arizona, and basically, you know, there was talk of the Phillies. You know, the Phillies could make that Machado deal. And that would completely lock up uh, the NL East uh, without question. If the Phillies actually pulled off Machado, I just can't see uh, Machado ever, and I mean ever, deciding to stay long-term in Philly. So that's why I'm not sure if the Phillies think uh, rental Machado makes the most sense long-term for the way they're building out that roster. So the only other team that I look at that kind of needs to win now is Arizona. Arizona committed so much money uh, in terms of the Granky deal, uh, the Goldschmidt extension. They put, uh, ex- uh, did the extension for A.J. Pollock despite his injury history. To me, Arizona has to make this move. Even if it's a rental and, and they don't get anything out of Machado going for- further, I think Arizona has to do it because... They're never going to be that destination club that fans are coming out to see year after year. It, you know, Arizona has their built-in retirement community fans, and that's about it. So unless the team's good, that's all they're going to be. And the amount of money that club has already committed to players, you might as well go full tilt because it's there's no point in just straddling the line so that you can be a just under uh, 600 win uh, percentage team. It's like this team's got to win 92 to 95 games to win the West. And in order to do that, they got to trade for Machado. Uh, There's no getting around it. It, it, He would fill so many holes in that lineup and give Goldschmidt the protection he needs because you can't rely on Pollock. You gave away uh, Ender Enciarte to the Braves for that awful Shelby Miller trade, which I will always laugh at because it never made any sense. Dang, you didn't like that? It never made a lick of sense. I, 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 I still don't understand what people who were seeing Shelby Miller, despite the fact that he was a first round, a top five pick. Yes, I know that. He was a top five pick. Nothing in his MLB career justified the valuation he got on the trade market. I never understood that one. But anyway... 
that's another story for another day. But, uh, you know, at, at this stage, to me, Arizona has to be the team that acquires Machado. And if you give up the farm system, you give up the farm system because this is one of those all-or-nothing plays where technically, I think Arizona, if they shore up that uh, uh, they shore up that lineup, even with uh, the question marks they have in the starting rotation, their bullpen is good enough to smooth out the wrinkles come playoff time. I, I think it's a no-brainer that Arizona has to make the move. I'm just not entirely sure what they actually believe they have in terms of a roster that uh, can go all the way. But to me, I'm if I'm Arizona, I'm, I'm making that Machado move just because you can win the West and, you know, no one else in the NL actually intimidates me whatsoever if I can somehow knock off the Dodgers or just put them in a situation where they're stuck in a uh, – uh, wild card game, and they already have to use up uh, Kershaw or a- a Alex Wood uh, before a wild card round series. To me, that's your best case scenario of getting to the World Series if I'm Arizona. Dude, come on, dude! You can't forget my boy Ross Stripling. You well, see, here's the thing: Ross Stripling may still lead the uh, Major League Baseball in ERA, and there's still not a chance in the world that uh, the Dodgers would put him above Kershaw or would in a playoff series. It's not happening. Even though it probably should, it's not happening. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, if you're telling me Alex Wood is going to start over Stripling, Jesus, just go ahead and sign me off for a loss there. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, they're, they're not going to put Stripling in there ahead of uh, Wood. I-, I-, I can already see it. He's going to take over a Rich Hill spot because Rich Hill will probably get a blister in warm-ups. <laughs> and then he'll probably be out for like five starts. Yeah. Lord. But yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that. I mean, yeah, if Arizona gets Machado, I mean, again, that would be a straight-up rental. But, I mean, that would be a good spot. I mean, like you said, protection, easy. And their lineup's already decent enough with that bullpen and a couple of decent starters. I mean, they can take it. I, I, even though the Rockies, though, I will say that a couple of their pitchers, like Freeland and uh, what's his face, uh, Anderson, have actually been pitching decent. Yeah. I mean, they still play at Coors, so anyone yeah. can blow up. And I swear, freaking Rockies hitters cannot hit out of freaking Coors Field. So I'm still not putting them at the top at all. Yeah, no, it's just a case where, you know, if I'm Colorado – it is what it is. It's like you have to pray that the other teams screw up for me to get into the postseason because you can't rely on your pitchers at home. You know, they've done everything they can, but it's like only certain pitchers can work in course Field, and those pitchers know to avoid course Field regardless because some days you're just going to get blown up and it's just going to screw with your ERA. And unless you sign a big free agent deal, you're not going – to want to pitch in course 16 games out of the season. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are. You, you leave that freaking ball up, it's gone. So, good Lord. So, yeah, so, anyway, so who I'm picking in, in the West, I'm still going to go with the Diamondbacks. But, again, it's the Dodgers game to lose. I'm still surprised that they're there. I just don't think they have the longevity to make it. Yeah. 
I just look at it as the Dodgers are going to take the division just because I see them having the balls to make the move that Arizona won't and just take a, trade a bunch of prospects for the Machado rental regardless of if they get any sort of a long-term commitment. I think the Dodgers do it anyway. Yep, and I mean, they have the fan base. They have everything that you want. They're going to do it. All right, Cam. So that will do it for what I've got for baseball. You got any other final thoughts on the season Because uh, for the second half? Because uh, I, I know while we could talk about Shohei, the fact that Otani is only going to be a hitter, to me, pretty much diminishes the whole wow factor of Otani. Oh, yeah. You're taking a huge L. You're taking a huge L on that one. I mean, I can't. I mean, in some of those games that you watch, they can say all they want that they didn't pitch him too long, but I swear there's a couple of times they should have just took him out of any before. Quit throwing that slider. Quit throwing that split. I mean, it's just... What is he, 21? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's your biggest wow factor. I mean, I just don't think they manage that very well. But they sold so many tickets, Cam. Oh, they did what, for a third of the season? (laughs) And and the California market, where they are in Anaheim, oh, I mean Los Angeles. They were in Los Angeles, (laughs) not Anaheim. Uh, You know, sometimes you'll take that. (laughs) I mean, at this point. But, uh, except for the fact that he's an Eagles fan. But uh, other than that, he's, he's cool. <laughs> I will agree with that. Take that, that Eagles jersey off and burn it. Yeah. So, uh, one other thing, because uh, I'll leave you with one uh, NFL note. Uh, what did you think of uh, the Steelers and Le'Veon today? Well, my, my, my whole assertion is Le'Veon wants to be the trendsetter that uh, Adrian Peterson was uh, over a decade ago with Minnesota with uh, the ridiculous deal Minnesota gave Peterson. But the fact that Le'Veon wants $17 million guaranteed for multiple years, to me, this is going to be the telltale sign of whether or not this leads to the next labor stoppage. Because if uh, Le'Veon Bell tries to hold out... Uh, uh, well, not hold out, but if he tries to push this uh, into next season and basically runs into a situation where no team offers him more than $15 million guaranteed, then the Players Association will say that the owners are literally fixing salaries when in reality, technically, no team is really going to value running back that much money when they have to pay their quarterbacks over $20 million a season, unless you're Blake Bortles, of course. <laughs> hey, you can't deny the Bortles bus, man. Best quarterback that ever lived. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he says that the, the Jags are adopting the Patriots model of building around him. <laughs> yeah, oh, you didn't, he, you, he's the next Tom Brady right there. You, you, you didn't hear that comment about adopting the, the Patriots model? I want. Lord, no, I, 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 I literally did a spit take uh, when I heard that this morning about 
how he likes the Jaguars' approach of building around him with uh, skill position players and compared it to the, the Patriots. It was ab- it was so fantastic that I, I wanted I wanted to be a fly on the wall when Tom Brady heard that and and just like this this idiot actually wants to compare himself to me. I, it's like, <laughs> I mean, dude, come on, you, I mean that's a Bortles comment to the max. Oh yeah. It, it, it was it was such a Bortles comment that I was just like, you can't make this up. You really can't make this up. Hey, when you throw as many interceptions as touchdowns, I mean you're the best, dude. Hey, if you could if you could get the defense to so uh, have so little respect for your throwing that they're pretty much just playing off of you, daring you to pass because <laughs> they know you can't pass, and just saying, hey. We're just going to drop back and expect you to screw up this pass. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely risk it. <laughs> we'll, we'll risk the pick six, dude. Come on. Oh, oh boy. I can't, I can't even look at man. He hey. has an arm, but he doesn't know where the, where the F is going, man. <laughs> Dorian Kim, NFL training camp starting in mere days. The Bortles, Bortles mania is going to run wild. You better believe it. Oh, I, I can't wait, and I can't wait for all those fans to just, you know, build around them, just bring their cots and everything to the game, just camping out, waiting for the Borals bus to drive in. Oh, it's going to be great. But I can't wait for my boy, Papa Holmes, coming in hot. Oh, Chiefs fans are getting ready, and of course you are too, as a uh... As a tech alum, Cam. I, I know oh, you are. Oh, yeah. My, my Pat Mahomes come in hot, baby. Alex Smith, sorry, bud. Well, Alex Smith has a number of reasons to be sorry. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he's he's, he's, he's got to find that life in D.C. definitely gets on the dicey side. <laughs> hey, he's making money, though, right? Well, yeah. In words of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> you like that? You, you like, like that? <laughs> Uh, Apparently he does. All right, Kev. Well, you have a good one. We'll we'll catch up a bit later once we start going through the fantasy football rankings. All righty, man. Later. Later. Well, that's going to do it for the show tonight. While I know many of you were waiting for me to do my initial preview for Fantasy Premier League or to hear uh, the initial rankings for NFL Fantasy Football, that's going to have to wait again. You can thank Blake Bortles for being the complete and utter imbecile that he is. And I don't, you know, I know folks who think that that's going to be too harsh of a word to say. But honestly, when you compare yourself to the rest of the league and make the accusation that guys are being too greedy when you yourself weren't good enough to earn the contracts those guys actually earned, well, most of them. I mean, there's there are some folks that you know you got question marks as to their true value, but they certainly earned it more than Blake Bortles that has done in his entire NFL career. The fact that he had the audacity to question some of those uh, NFL QBs, I'd be so pissed off uh, if I were them. Uh, you know, again, I, I I really went off on this tangent, so I'll I'll end the show today uh, with that. It's just utter utter idiocy. Uh, that that actually came out of his mouth uh, 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 earlier. But, uh, you know, 
it is what it is, but I can't wait for this NFL season to start uh, so I can properly fade the Jaguars. But uh, we'll, we'll take it up for another day. So uh, that's all for tonight, and uh, have a good one, folks. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought-after role on the field, Celebrity QB featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.